Good evening, listeners. So today, July 15th, really hot day, Sunday evening in Corvallis. Um, you're tuned in to 88.7 KBVR Corvallis. So um, it's just after 7 p.m. this evening, and that can mean only one thing. It's time for another episode of Inspiration Dissemination. I'm Scott Classic. And I'm Kristen Finch. At Oregon State, we have more than 4,000 graduate students in over 80 different programs of study. And here on Inspiration Dissemination, we feature the research and personal stories of one of these students each week. If you're a graduate student at OSU and you're interested in coming on the show, or you just want to find out more about all the awesome things going on at Oregon State, check out our blog at blogs.oregonstate.edu inspiration, where you can find out all about our upcoming guests and links to our Twitter and Facebook pages. We also have a podcast that's available on iTunes if you search for Inspiration Dissemination and you look for the orange light bulb logo. So Inspiration Dissemination is recorded live and should they occur, any opinions that are expressed on the show are those of the hosts and our guests and those opinions do not necessarily represent the um, Oregon State University or uh, those of this station. So tonight, we are joined by Paige Mandelaire. She's from the Department of Chemistry. Hi, Paige. Hi. Great to have you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about, our, about your research. So my research is basically natural product chemistry research. So I look into different ecosystems, such as the marine uh, ecosystem mainly, about looking for natural products that are active against uh, different human pathogens or bacterial pathogens, cancer, uh, as well as viral and fungal diseases. That's really cool. And I think that's sort of a, it gets at something that we don't understand uh, very often when you think about the natural world. There's like lots of chemical warfare going on mm-hmm. when you get down to it and the fungi and the microbes, yes. right? Yeah. And so these secondary metabolites that you study, these are just like the fancy words to describe anything produced by a fungus, a bacterium, mm-hmm. uh, basically to try and make its life better for itself, right? To defend yeah. against something that might be trying to eat it. Um, so have I got that right pretty yeah, much? Yeah, so we mainly look for secondary metabolites. So right. not necessarily primary metabolites where Many people are familiar with carbohydrates, proteins, uh, nucleic acids, stuff like that. And the secondary metabolites, those are like the good ones in terms of trying to figure out mm-hmm. new uh, antibiotics, mm-hmm. types of medicines. Is that right? Yes. I mean, these f- organisms, these fungi, these bacteria produce it themselves. Why not exploit their chemistry for our own benefit? And so what about marine systems? I guess I never thought that a drug that I may someday need to use is from a marine fungus. It's kind of surprising. Yeah. I mean, considering the ocean isn't well explored currently, I believe there's only about 5% of it actually explored and it covers 70% of the world. We have so much to look for in this ecosystem. We have different depths we can look at. We can look in the volcanic systems down in the trenches. We can look on even the shores of the ocean for algae. Um, It's just a plethora of potential sources. And so how would you go about, once you find this organism that you want to test, how do you go about uh, figuring out what it has to offer? Well, so in our lab, in the Dr. Sandra Lowskin's lab, we tend to 
obtain these strains, we'll do our own collection trip if possible, or they're donated as a depository from a depository strain library, or they are donated by collaborators um, to work with just so that they can explore. Um, And so we look through these strains, we'll grow them in our own in-house production. We grow them in big vats of cultures. Um, And once they're old enough, about two weeks, old for cultures, we extract them with some organic solvent. And that's when we begin our initial testing uh, against different uh, pathogens, bacterial pathogens, uh, fungal pathogens, viruses, uh, and cancer cells. Cool. So how much of this is uh, you're trying to select for the growth of a particular organism versus I'll just um, try and put it under certain conditions that might be conducive to the growth of lots of different types of fungi or bacteria mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, normally we grow our, our bacteria and fungi in a general, about 80% of the time, it's a standard condition of certain media, certain agar, certain liquid. Um, The other 20% is once we get to know that strain, that's when we start trying to change its uh, culture conditions. That's only if we know the strain really, really well. Yeah, see what it can do. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes maybe it wouldn't even uh, produce any of this like compound if there's no one around to uh, try to invade its space, right? Right, right. Yeah, so that 20% is only when we know our strain and we know it well enough to say, okay, well, what happens if we challenge it with, say, another uh, fungus or another bacteria, or we change up its media conditions just to kind of trigger it to produce new metabolites potentially. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about this. Uh, what is the mold that keeps on giving? Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, my system is called Aspergillus salicius, and it is the fungus that keeps on giving. I, giving, I was given this strain my first year of grad school, when I first entered the lab um, by Donovan Adpressa, he handed over the strain. Um, and at first, it didn't grow the same metabolites as his did. And so I thought, oh no, what happened to my strain? Is it infected? <laughs> and then turns out it actually is two different forms of Aspergillus salicius caught in the sexual stages of fungi, which is a pretty rare phenomenon to capture under standard lab conditions. Um, And so with those two forms, uh, I figured, why not put them together? They were initially isolated from the algae. Um, They had to be together cohabitating or changing into one form versus another. And so why not just put them together? And I ended up getting really beautiful metabolites called allianthrones A to C. Cool. And uh, for any of those uh, fungus nerds out there, um, we did an interview with Donovan uh, a couple months back, so you can look for that on our podcast queue. But so your lab basically characterized these. These are new compounds Mm -hmm. that no one has described before. No. Well, there have been, uh, bianthrones is the chemical class. There have been bianthrones described, but the ones that I have are halogenated and there's not too many cases from fungi. A lot of them are from plants. Okay. So these are just slightly uh, different versions of other chemicals that had been known, mm-hmm. but these are different because they have like chlorine molecules. Is that is mm-hmm. that what it is? Chlorine um, and then also extended uh, side chain. So a uh, little bit bigger than some of the ones that have been isolated before. Cool. So yeah, you change the structure of mm-hmm. the compound and suddenly it might be able to do something totally different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. 
So these, the ones that were originally isolated, they either had some sort of cancer activity, um, very specific, or they were possibly antibiotic, but mine are strictly anti-cancer, have anti-cancer activity. And so is that something that has to do with the specific structure of the allianthrone, that it has these side chains and stuff? You think that something about its structure is giving it these qualities for anti-cancer? Um, we don't know that quite yet. We are looking into that where we're trying to study the mode of action. But we think because in solution and in solid form it behaves differently, it could be a potential that its structure could um, change in the cancer cell and could inhibit some sort of growth. But we don't know quite the mode of action yet. Right. Sweet. And so this uh, this new dis this new discovery of these chemicals was like a big moment for your lab in that you got mm -hmm. it published recently. Yes. And so uh, where was that published and where can we find out more about it? So it was published in an American Chemical Society subjournal called Journal of Natural Products, which is a very big deal for uh, natural product chemists. That is kind of one of the main journals that you want to publish in, especially if it's a really cool story, such as these co-culture uh, studies with Aspergillus siliceus to produce these allianthrones. We've got the link to that article actually up on the blog, um, blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration, um, if you're interested in the primary research. So you guys do a lot of, I mean, you, you got this cool new fungus. It's got <laughs> these different forms mm -hmm. um, that you've characterized. And the next step is what you just tested out on a variety of cancer lines, cancer cell lines? Yes. Uh, actually, the, another co-author on this paper, Elizabeth Coisa, she was our my main helper as far as testing them against our five different cell panels. So we have um, colon cancer, breast cancer, cell lines, uh, prostate, uh, adenocarcinoma cell lines, um, and then I'm drawing a blank on the other one. I believe, oh, it's lung cancer cell lines. So we have those five cell lines for in-house testing, and so she was a big uh, help on the developing and figuring out the uh, what we call the inhibitory concentration at 50%. So she did a lot of those assays. She did quite a few. Wow. That's, that's very uh, lab-intensive, growing yeah. up a ton of things. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, our lab, how this paper came together with a lot of uh, collaboration with each other, so we are very big on... You know, if someone's doing an assay, helping, you know, being support for a paper or a publication. Yeah, very cool. So then uh, a lot of the, your your part in this mm -hmm. came when uh, you, you had that organic extract mm -hmm. um, that you had taken from the fungus. And then somehow you went from there to saying, this is the chemical structure of that. So, Can you, uh, yeah, just tell tell us a bit about how, how that process goes? Yeah, so normally once we test our, what we call crude extracts or organic extracts, once we test them in any of our in-house assays, uh, bacterial pathogen, fungal pathogen, et cetera, then we try to separate it out. We do some chromatographic techniques. Um, first, we use our liquid-based mass spectrometer, which kind of tells us what metabolites are in our organic extract, as well as the masses, relative masses associated with those metabolites. So then we can hone in on certain what we think are structures that could be potential activity. So this is what we call the dereplication process. Okay. And this is what really makes your job 
the analytical part. You're the analytical chemist in yes. this way. Yeah, yeah. So this is a lot of going back through literature, trying to figure out if this is a known structure. If it's not, we can't find matches, then we have a lead on, oh, look, this is a new metabolite, potentially. Sweet. Yeah, and so... Um, so you're the analytical chemist, and you just told us about one of your projects one mm -hmm. that w has led to some uh, very uh, exciting discoveries. Mm -hmm. But you also wear many different hats, and mm -hmm. you have two other projects. So you want to go ahead and uh, start off with the project that you have working with coral symbiosis or studying coral symbiosis. Yeah. So I'm in a collaboration with Dr. Virginia Weiss and her group. There's a three, one postdoc who is Dr. John Parkinson, and then two of the graduate students, Trevor Tivy and then Shampei Marioma. And we kind of work together on the coral algae symbiosis, so understanding the recognition, the molecules responsible for establishing symbiosis. So I don't get to work much with the animals, but I do the chemistry side where I look and try to identify the structures on the algae. So I'm looking for these structures called glycans, so just really, really long sugar chains. So, and this glycan is a structure that the coral recognizes on its algae friend and says, hey, yeah, you can live here. <laughs> that is the uh, hypothesis. So right. uh, a lot of it is still, it, we try to prove it. That's what we're trying to do is trying to prove that these structures are definitely recognized or definitely contribute to symbiosis. Um, and so far with some of the enzymatic treatments that we've done, it has shown that it does uh, inhibit the uh, colonization of the algae. We cut cool. off those sugars. <laughs> right. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Inspiration Dissemination on 88.7 KBVR Corvallis, and we are interviewing Paige Mandelaire. She is a fourth-year PhD student in the Department of Chemistry here at OSU, talking about um, isolating compounds of medicinal use from a marine fungus. Yeah, and so uh, so with your little side projects in the in the coral symbiosis world, that must be really fun to kind of dip dip your toe into the biology water. Yeah, because um, uh, you have an interest in marine biology, which we'll get to in just a second. But you also have another side project that I want to mention, which is uh, looking at the um, microbiome of some fish. Yes, and so go ahead and tell us a little bit about that and what's exciting about that. Um, so we have collected mucus swabs from juvenile Pacific fish, both coastal and deep sea. Um, and this is a help with my undergraduate mentee, Molly Austin, who is in the Honors College. So this is kind of our honors thesis as well. Um, and so we are ex basically isolating and purifying these bacterial strains and doing a survey of its wider range of activity. So we're looking for different antibiotics and different um, antifungal potential metabolites. So we're just surveying this. Um, and so a lot of our strains that we've yield, that we've gotten from this project are very unique. Um, not much has been published on them. So this kind of gives potential to show, hey, maybe there's some new uh, antibiotics in fish mucus of all sources. Right. Wow. Okay. So it's you... You're sent this fish mucus, mm -hmm. and you do the kind of same similar thing which you did with your fungus. You just expose these um, bacteria, these chemicals from the bacteria to um, other bacteria, I guess, to see if they, uh, or a fungus, to see if they have some kind of damaging effect to the other organisms? Um, 
Not quite. Not uh, really. <laughs> no, we don't do the co-culture study oh, with okay. the bacteria. We leave them on their own. Um, just let them kind of linger together. I, ideally, they should have came from the same fish mucus source. So maybe eventually we want, might want to test them coming together and how they interact with each other. But for now, we just keep them as separate strains. Okay. And just to see if the, the bacteria themselves have some kind of advantage, mm-hmm. advantageous quality. Yes. Okay. I wanted to get back to the allianthrones because you were, um, when you were talking earlier, described a process to basically make new and different types of them, Mm -hmm. which I thought, like, I didn't know that was possible. Mm -hmm. And then to uh, get at what um, your lab or others are doing in terms of uh, where do you go from here after you've got a compound that is um, promising against cancer cell lines, Mm -hmm. um, what's the next step? Yeah. So right now... Currently, after publication, so to kind of explore this fungus a little bit more, I started uh, changing up the media types and adding different salts to see if I could replace the chlorine atoms on the structure with bromine or iodine or even fluorine. Um, And so, fortunately, I actually replaced my chlorine atoms with bromination or bromine atom, and I have brominated allianthrones D through F. And so now that I have all six of these metabolites, I send them off now because they do show also anti-cancer property. I sent them off to National Cancer Institute to test against their 60 cell uh, cancer cell lines. Um, and so I got those results back and they show different, a little bit of difference as far as activity goes. Cool. So you've passed the baton on now to the uh, National Cancer Cell Institute and their Sort of seeing what what can be done, and mm-hmm. maybe they'll make the stage up to uh, trials or something. Oh, that! Or, 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 oh, how, yeah. how far along is that? Oh, that's a very, very, very long ways. Um, so right now we're just looking. So National Cancer Institute won't necessarily test them in mice or anything. That's kind of on our part to find collaborators who are willing to test our compounds against the mice. Okay. Um, but right now we're just tr- focusing on wow, we have all these cell panels. Some of them are really unique, such as my allianthrones hit the triple negative breast cancer cell lines, which is a super aggressive cancer cell line that's very hard to find cancer agents against. Um, And so what we're doing is we're looking for collaborators who have these cell lines and are willing to test them against their cell lines and just kind of see their mode of action. Um, And then it'll be a while before I could get into mice to test its activity against the mice. Yeah. And that's right. just kind of the speed of, of the field at this point. It's yeah. Just, uh, like fart or, uh, shopping around your, your molecules and seeing mm-hmm. if someone is going to pick it up. Yeah. And then really, ideally we would like to make it in larger quantities. So that's when we get the organic synthesis folks in to oh, make fun. more oh, okay. material. Yeah. Um, because growing a bunch of fungus might not produce enough of the compound that you'd need for mm-hmm. larger studies. Yeah, I mean, mine fortunately produces quite a bit at a, a strong, like a, astonishing size of forty milligrams per liter. So I oh, could wow. grow gobs of this uh, uh, organism and get plenty, but not enough for say uh, mice studies. Okay. Cool. And then, so I guess I'm guessing once the, all of those tests are done, you know, once you, the 
cancer cell lines assays have been completed potentially the mice assays have been completed then you're it's like kind of waiting for a pharmaceutical company to pick it up and see what happens next with it that would be the hope if, uh, if it's a really promising one yeah. if it's a really promising one um actually majority of these new metabolites do fail the first uh clinical trial um, I'm drawing a blank as far as what the first set of the clinical trials, but a majority of these natural products end up failing. Okay. So many of the ones that are show promise in uh, these bioassays in-house, they tend to drop off yeah. as soon as after the first phase, not even <laughs> preclinical trials. Yeah, but like you're saying, it's high likelihood that something is out there just waiting to be discovered. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's really exciting. And so... Um, to get into, like, I want to know why you started, I mean, there seems to be some connections between your different projects as mm -hmm. far as uh, um, similarity to each other, but mm -hmm. why did you, how did you become interested in chemistry, or is it even pre-chemistry that you became interested in science? Yeah, so I was really into science when I was a kid, um, so... My mom and dad were very big proponents on exposing me to science and just kind of letting me explore my own world. And um, I was really into marine biology as a kid. I loved marine mammals. I read every single book. I studied these books at, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. I was obsessed. Um, and so it wasn't until my senior year, I kind of changed directions and I looked at going into school for biology pre-med track. Um, and so my first year, I I started off biology, but I really, really enjoyed my chemistry department at University of North Florida, who they just were great professors. And they were really like trying to get me more into chemistry. And I enjoyed their style, so I switched over. This is also kind of, my father is a PhD holder of organic chemistry, so he was, <laughs> kind of a big influence when I would go to his PhD lab and I would hang around and watch him do synthesis and NMR, so similar techniques that I do, so. So you kind of got early exposure to what it's like to be a chemist. Yeah, right. about 11 years old, yeah. Nice. That's pretty cool to have. I mean, lots of us uh, might not have that opportunity. Yeah. So. And then you just sort of went with it in college and then um, yeah. you were able to get in some undergraduate experience? I did. Uh, I worked in also a natural product chemistry lab uh, with Dr. Amy Lane uh, for about three, almost four years in that lab. Um, so I started in my sophomore year and I was doing marine natural products like I am now, um, but I was doing more antifungal assay development. So I was developing these different assays for candida and aspergillus. All right, and so uh, what's next for you after you finish this PhD? You're on year four. What do you think is gonna? What do you think? Where do the you think this is question. gonna take? Yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. it's the question that no graduate student no. likes to be asked, but we always ask it on inspiration dissemination because that's our mission. Yes. <laughs> so, so what's what do you think is gonna happen next, or what what are your aspirations? So I would like to go into industry, mainly pharmaceutical research. I do enjoy being in the lab. I'm very much a lab rat. I love uh, doing the experiments and developing my own experiments. So it would be nice to go into pharmaceutical research to continue working in a research lab. Um, whether it's a known pharmaceutical company such as Merck or even a startup where my father works, 
either way, I would be happy. I just need a job. (laughs) Yeah, don't we all? (laughs) One day. Um, So when you're not um, characterizing new types of chemicals that are produced by uh, marine fungi, what do you like to do in your free time? Um, So I definitely like to uh, train for triathlons. I was a big triathlete in undergrad. I kind of dropped off the bandwagon on the triathlon training with my friends towards the end of my senior year in grad school. I'm starting to pick that back up. Um, I also swim uh, competitively. And then I also like to bake. I love to bake cakes and cheesecakes and all sorts of fancy desserts. Very nice. Yeah, nice nice thing to do. I know it's kind of like chemistry, right? It is. <laughs> I didn't think I was a good baker until getting into grad school and I had to cook on my own. Yeah, and you were like, hey, I can do this. Yeah. It's, yeah. Following the, I think about that too. I work in the molecular genetics lab and it's like, I just follow the recipe and yeah. there's DNA in there all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it, all it is is following directions. Yep. Maybe yep. tweaking it a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting around to the end of our time here on Inspiration Dissemination and we have two traditions that we always like to do at the end of our shows. And the first one is to ask you for advice. And so um, we ask you to tell us uh, what is your advice and who are you advising with this? So I would say I'm advising potential first year grad students is to learn time management. Time management is the biggest skill that you could learn or even perfect when you go into grad school. Grad school is a lot of allocating your time accordingly. Um, Grad school is not a race, it's a marathon, as I've been told so many times, but it's also good to have plans every week, so to-do lists and understanding where your time should go. Definitely. That's great advice. So our uh, next tradition that we have is uh, we're gonna go out on a song that uh, you have chosen. Mm So what's the song, and uh, uh, does it have any particular significance at all, or is it just like a good jam? Um, So it's Florence and the Machine. The song is Hunger, um, and it just reminds me of my uh, attitude towards grad school. I kind of just have this hunger to learn more and just be on top and try to work as hard as I can to get through. Very good. You definitely need that in graduate school, drive to drive to get it is what you make of it yes and so you have to have that drive to mm-hmm. accomplish what you what you're looking for yeah. great so as we end on a uh, motivating note here is hunger by Florence and the machine yep thanks Paige thank you thank you Ooh.